This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 and Sunday mornings at 11 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. If you have those people who support you and you're like, you can do it, and then you have people who sort of hold your toes to the fire, but then you also need people who are going to make it fun, like who might meet you at the gym or go for a run with you, hold you accountable. So I just think you kind of have to know you and know what you need and then slowly weed out the people in your life who are kind of holding you back and build an environment that really supports you. Welcome to the new and expanded 60-minute version of The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we're going to learn all about stress in your heart. We'll find out why you might want to set up a health entourage. We'll hear about mindful cooking, and we'll discuss restaurant pet peeves. But first, a little bit of business. Today's show is brought to you by Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian-owned and has been GMP-certified for manufacturing to pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all-natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals in their formulations. The company is site-licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both a consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit their website at omegaalphainc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team, headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has a two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer reviewed articles and conference proceedings. Welcome back to the show, Gordon. How are you? Very good, Jamie. Thanks for having me on again. This is a uh, topic that is near and dear to me, and as we were discussing, heart health is important to me. My, my maternal grandfather died of a heart attack in his 50s, and my dad in his 60s required had a heart attack and required a quadruple bypass. So heart health and the things that impact on heart health are something that I'm always concerned about. And why don't we start with a topic that I know you know a lot about, and that is stress, because we all live hectic lives and stress impacts our health in so many different ways, but it's not all bad, right? No, it isn't actually. One of the things about stress is that what people don't realize a little bit of stress is actually good for you. Of course. Right? It's prolonged stress that is really the bad thing. And unfortunately, we live in a society right now where we are getting much more prolonged stress. And some of it is mental as opposed to physical stress, right? Mental stress is, does a whole bunch of bad things for you. It releases a lot of cortisol, etc. Cortisol then in turn affects the hormonal systems, it affects your sleep patterns, it upsets the way you eat, all of those things. Yes. Now, I would love to say there's a magical way of, there's a one thing that you need to do and voila, heart health is, is good to go. 
it is so many different things all bundled together. Yes. All right. So, you know, one of the things I, I've always said to people, you need to exercise. Exercise is one of the best things to do for stress because one of the things the exercise does is that it's a way of um, you break out into a sweat. That sweating process is a way of detoxifying your system. And when I say detoxify, I'm not talking about toxins that you pick up outside. I'm just talking about getting rid of excess cortisols, right? And getting rid of some of the sequelae to some of these cortisols that are being released, right? Nice. Heart health affecting the way you eat. Right. Yep. One of the problems with stress is that we tend to eat what we call comfort foods. Yes. Comfort food in itself is not a bad thing, you know. Comfort food is delicious, Gordon. You cannot slander comfort food on the show. I will not permit it. No. But, but I know what you mean. Go it's on. Not, it's not a bad thing. The problem with comfort food is when you have a steady diet of comfort food. That's when you run into problem. You know what? The occasional cup of ice cream is not going to do you much harm. But right. it's when you have that cup of ice cream five days running, right? And you're not exercising and you're not doing any of the other things too. Well, you know, the, it's the it's the ice cream that you sneak, right? I mean, like right. like if you have to do it surreptitiously, if if you are if you are eating the comfort food in the privacy of your closet. <laughs> uh, then I think it's become a problem. Whereas if you're doing it out in the open and everybody knows you're going to have that extra cookie, it's probably okay. Yeah, you know, even then, it depends on how, how um, forgiving your, your spouse is on some of these things. You've you never know? met my wife, Gordon. <laughs> She's a harsh critic. She's a <laughs> <laughs> but in, in all fairness, though, you know, if you do have a lot of stress in your life, yeah. Add exercise to that thing. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, we've had exercise experts come in. And, and as you said before, the key is sweating. And, you know, there is there is such a thing as the runner's high, right? I mean, that really does exist, but you don't ha necessarily have to run to get it. But I personally have experienced the emotional release of post-exercise euphoria. Yeah. I mean, and it is real. And you don't have to be, you don't have to be an Olympic athlete. You don't, sure. you don't have to be proficient. You just have to get your heart rate up for an extended period of time so that you are exerting yourself, not yeah. to the point of exhaustion, yeah. but, but you're getting out there. You're sweating. Yeah. You're working. I, I always want to qualify that a little bit, depending sure. on your age group. Yeah. Like, as yeah. you get older, right, getting your heart rate up there sometimes it may not be the best thing for you. There's some good data out there that shows, you know, just keep moving. You know, don't sit down and, and watch TV all the time. Get up, keep moving, do things. That in itself makes a big difference to heart health. Because one of the problems, what you're afraid of is, as you grow older, and, and I'm not talking about your 60-year-old or so, I'm talking about somebody pushing their 80s, etc. And if they have been leading a sedentary life, I don't want an 80-year-old to just get up, of course live not. a sedentary life, and decides he's going to push the heart rate up to 140, you know, sorry, um, blood pressure up to 140, right. heart, and get their heart rate up there. That is probably going to be detrimental. So, you know, but if you start off, if you've led a sedentary life, you start up, you get up, you do some walking, etc. And what you will find is that you build yourself up into this exercise regimen. And pretty soon you will find that you feel a lot better. Oh, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle decision. And when I say getting my heart rate up, listeners have to appreciate, you know, I was running and or spinning and or pumping iron. I've been doing this for almost 15 years. 
working out five, six times a week. If I were to start today, there's no way I'd, I'd try and get my heart rate up to what I can do today. That's right. That would be crazy. And as we get older, and, I, and you know, you can feel it. What I can do today is very different than what I could do 10 years ago. In some respects, I'm stronger, but in some respects, I appreciate it. You know, I, I could never match my split times on runs that I could do 10 years ago in my early 40s. You know, for sure. And one of the things I also is, you know, a lot of people think of supplements to help with the stress. Right. Yes, there are supplements you can do, you can take. There are many different supplements you can take. But I want to use supplements as an adjunct to lowering stress. Right. right. Now, sometimes I, everybody says, well, get out of the stressful situation. Sometimes that is not an option because no, your not. living is part of your life, right. part of what's going on. So your next best thing is to try and get some good exercise time, take some supplements to help you. And some of the supplements, what they'll do will help you sleep better. It'll help you recover from your exercise better. One of the things I've always said to people is if you get a good night's sleep, right, I don't care how stressful you are, you wake up feeling a lot more refreshed to face today. And one of the things that can help people sleep well is a, is a good exercise routine, a good exercise program. Now, sometimes in all fairness, there are people who they just can't sleep. For whatever reason known to man, they just can't sleep. Right. So there are many different herbs that you can actually do that will help you get a good night's sleep without the grogginess that's normally associated with any drugs that, that make you sleep. Right. Well, let's start there. Let's talk about some of the supplements that people might take if they wanted to get a better night's sleep? Well, one of the ones that's very well known is valerian. Right. Valerian has been out there. Everybody knows valerian. Everybody has used valerian, etc. And they've had good responses with it, right? The people who have taken things like St. John's Water to help calm you down so you can put you into a frame of mind so that you can fall asleep. There are other herbs like kava kava, which again will help you relax. It will help clear the mind so that you can actually naturally drift off into sleep. Now, for the ones of us who travel a lot, there's melatonin. Again, I'm just talking about things that people have heard about and and thought about. Melatonin is one of those um, hormones, right, that what happens is that as you grow older, your body produces less and less of it. And so for some people, you can't get a good night's sleep. What, what the studies have shown that if you're into deep sleep, you get a, a nice release of melatonin, and that maybe actually help you sleep better. Right. But melatonin, one of the major uses of melatonin is that if you're doing a, a lot of transatlantic flights, etc., it helps reset your body clock. Right, the circadian rhythms, right? Circadian rhythm back to um, normal, right? So that's one of the uses of melatonin. But there's some other herbs that people have taken to fight the effects of stress. So there's things like ginseng, right? right. Canadian ginseng, North American ginseng. Um, they have things like astragalus, which will help you, again, fight the effects of stress. There's so many different herbs that people have used to, out there to fight the effects of stress. And, you know, and by that, how do you fight the effects of stress? Some of it makes you sleep better. Some of it gives you more energy, um, makes you tackle the day a lot better. But I always say, make that a part of your exercise routine, part of your exercise regimen, and watch what you eat, etc. Okay, so let's talk. Let, let's focus a little bit on exercise. I think you you briefly mentioned earlier in the conversation there are some herbal remedies that can help you recover. Yes. So I'd like to know this because you know I'm, I am working out, and as we speak. Right now, I'm fidgeting because my back is a bit stiff from my workout yesterday. So what would you recommend? Well, 
there are herbs out there that will that will help for the stiffness and the achiness in the back. Right. Right. Yep. You know, some some of these herbs, what they do, they have naturally anti-inflammatory properties. So things like a boswellia will help for some of that. Right. Okay. Now I know people think of boswellia whenever they they think of arthritic type pain. Right. It's basically an anti-inflammatory herb that that we're looking into. Right. There's some other herbs that people have used for that, things like devil's claw. These are just some of the few that are, that's just coming off the top of my head. Even okay. things like cat's claw, they have very good uses. Turmeric is another one. That's the more recent um, darling out there. Is turmeric right? right. Anti-inflammatory effects. Right. Again, you know, the, there are so many different things, and what what I try to tell people to try to find a product that's a formulated product that has a formula, as opposed to going for a single ingredient. And my only rationale for that is because the problem with single ingredients is that you, some people will will, be, will find it very effective, some people won't find it effective. Whereas if you take a formulated product, what happens is that there's always something in there that, that will work for you. And so usually it's a much more effective way of, of using some of these um, herbal extracts. Sort of like a one-stop shop, so, right. so that if... Yeah. yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and one of the things I also like to point out to people is that sometimes, you know, Play with the dosage. It's, I, I know that sounds bad when, when I say it like that, but these things are very, very safe, usually the herbs, right? Yeah, yeah. Think about it this way. If you have a bad headache, you take two Tylenol, extra strength, even though the label says just take one, right? Now, I, I don't advocate that with drug drugs just because with, with pharmaceuticals, the safety margins are very thin. Right. Yes. But with the with the herbal products, the safety margins are usually quite large. So you can actually play with it depending on your severity of of the problem. Right. Yep. You know, exercising as a, as a go one of the the things that it's a way of naturally detoxing. Right. So yep. again, but it's also a good way of uh, you should take certain herbs, etc. The herbal products are that, that will help you detox. Right. Because one of the things about stress is that you do get buildup of of um, of compounds, which in itself can cause issues with the stress response. Right. So okay. one of the things with stress response is that people know is that acute. What can happen is that your your blood vessels can spasm. Right. So we're getting back to heart heart effects. Right. Yes. Now, if your blood vessels spasms. Right. What happens? It narrows the blood vessel, the coronary arteries, as an example. Okay. And what that means is that less blood is going to go through the coronary arteries. Now, if you have the coronary arteries already plugged up, right, the the contraction of the coronary arteries can then lead to a heart attack because all of a sudden, very little blood or almost no blood is flowing through those arteries, right? Yes. So this is what I mean by some of the effects of stress. So so sometimes, you know, even meditation, mindfulness is one of those things because if you're being mindful, you can help avoid the emotional responses that can cause the coronary spasms, right? Yeah, no, I know. There are, you know, meditation uh, is obviously a, a mindfulness tool that we advocate on the show where, you know, it allows people to sort of control their reactions to the stressors in the moment, which obviously, you know, if, if you can sort of nip it in the proverbial bud, uh, the chances that the stress will compound are lessened, right? That, you know? that is correct. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I just want to also point out sure. is that before you start on any major exercise program, start off slow. 
Hundred percent. Right. Yep. Do, do not go, do not think that you're going to go from a sedentary lifestyle and become a marathon runner overnight. It takes time to build up that type of resistance because that's when if if people go from zero to to a hundred miles per, hour, that's when they run into problems with heart conditions, etc. Right. Well, that's if the body isn't used to the increase the heart's a muscle. Or if 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 the body isn't used to the sudden increase in use, it's going to resist. My mother is an example of somebody who was fairly sedentary for most of her life. And, and now that she's on her own, uh, she does a lot of different stuff. But she started with walking, simply walking, which I recommended because it got her outside. It got her moving. And it just worked better for her. And, and one of the things that we should also point to where, where we talk about, uh, especially with women, the hormonal component is huge in women you know the estrogen progesterone for women yes it, it's very cardioprotective for women but that's that's another story for another day well you so, will have to have you back another day so that we can discuss that definitely thank you for coming on the show today thanks for having me on board that's all the time we have right now we've got to take a short break but when we return we'll discuss why you might need to set up a health entourage on the tonic Are you one of the many Canadians dealing with chronic pain, anxiety, IBS, and other such conditions? Are you interested in finding out more about your options with medical cannabis? Then join one of 22,000 patients nationwide who've let Harvest Medicine be their trusted cannabis healthcare partner and provider. It's never been easier to access Harvest Medicine's healthcare team, education, and resources. Simply download the HMed Connect app from the Android and Apple stores and book your appointment today. To find out more, visit hmed.ca or download the app. That's HMED Connect from your app store. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Welcome back. Our next guest, Kathleen Trotter, is a fitness expert, nutritionist, life coach, monthly guest on BT Montreal and Rogers Ottawa, and the author of the books, Finding Your Fit and the New, Your Fittest Future Self. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I love bantering about health and wellness with you. Me as well. Mm -hmm. So there are very few big things that we can do on our own, right? Everything in life takes a village. Right. Losing a few pounds, that's easy. You can fly solo on that. But changing your health in the long term. That's something bigger, and we might need some support for that, right? 
Well, do you need it? Maybe you could do it on your own, but isn't it、right. going to be way more fun if you had people helping you out? And all roles, if you have those people who support you and you're like, you can do it, and then you have people who sort of hold your toes to the fire, right? I feel like you'd be really good for that. Yeah. You know, sometimes I come in、Absolutely. here and you give me really good advice. It's really bold, it's really strong. And, you know, Kathleen, get your stuff together. And it's like, okay, I need that sometimes. Yeah. But then you also need people who are going to make it fun, like who might meet you at the gym or go for a run with you, hold you accountable. So, I just think you kind of have to know you and know what you need, and then slowly weed out the people in your life who are kind of holding you back. And we all have those people who are sort of negative Nellies and, and almost don't want you to succeed. And,、right. and slowly, you know, it's over time, build an environment that really supports you. That's one of the things I'm really lucky with. You know, I was born with an unbelievably supportive family. My mom is amazing. I have a partner who's amazing. But I've also I've really cultivated this group of people in my life who. Know and respect who I am. So, you know, if I'm going to a cottage, or nobody tries to convince me to eat the French fries I don't want. They're just like, okay, Kathleen's bringing her own food and they support me. They're my people. I find there's different types of people. So, I wouldn't say I'm a self starter. Okay. But when I take on tasks, I'm not a team player. I tend to be on my own, right? And, and so for me, I have to go into my own little space. In a little bubble? Well, in a little bubble, I live inside my head. And if I'm going to do something, I can power through it,、mm-hmm. right? But, you know, there's the other extreme would be what you're describing. Yeah. So sort of, sort of who flourishes having other people help them. But, you know, sometimes you don't know who you are. Absolutely. And I would say this if, if you're trying something big and it's just not working, if you can't do it, Why not try? Absolutely. The worst that happens is it doesn't work. And、right. then you're like, oh, I don't do that. Right. And I think the biggest thing with change is to become a different, fittest future self than you are now, a different person. You have to change your assumptions. You have to change your beliefs. You have to change your actions. Right. Well, something's Or, not working. Exactly. You, something's you, not working.、Yeah. Something's not working. You wouldn't be in the place that you're yeah, in. Yeah. So you might as well try something different. For sure. And I have to tell you, like, as I get older, I have started to rely on people for different things. I think understanding what people can give you because、mm-hmm. they can't. They're not all going to be cheerleaders and, no, they're not,、sure. and they're not all going to be drill sergeants. So you really have to understand the people that you're choosing or who come, you're、yeah. coming across. You know, what are they capable of doing Do and、it. how、Absolutely. can they help you? Yeah, realistic expectations. So let's get into the weeds of what I call the health entourage, which、sure. is basically what we're talking about is yeah, yeah. creating the support system. It came actually from a lot of conversations with clients over the years where they would come in and their sort of quote, quote unquote excuse was, you know, well, if I was a celebrity and I had a cook, or if I was a celebrity and I had like trainers, and if I had people. Yeah. You know, doing everything for me, then I would be fit. And I really believe in finding solutions, not excuses. So I sort of jokingly would say, okay, well, if you, you know, you want to be that celebrity and have that entourage, like it's your responsibility to create it.、Right. So we developed a bunch of different names for the type of people that could be in your life that could help you out. Everything from a fitness buddy, so somebody who, you know, you meet at the gym, you do、yep. fun fitness classes, you go for runs together. Your fitness buddies could be like your hockey team or your soccer team. It doesn't have to be one person, it can, it can be a group of people. It can be family. It can it, be family, right? Or, you know, with my girlfriends, we meet what we call and do our fit ventures. So we'll try a totally random fitness class, like a trampoline class or a pole walking class or aquafit or things where, you know, we don't sort of naturally gravitate to those activities, but we're like, well, we might as well try it. If you hate it, that's one hour of your life and at least you've, you know, got some giggles out of it, right? right. And I think that, you know, to your point of knowing who you are and also knowing, Knowing who the people you're interacting with is, ask for what those people can give you. So I go back to my childhood. My parents were divorced. And when I would go spend time with my dad's family, my mom really helped me. She sort of set me up for life. So she got me to create a list on one side of a page of everything I needed in life. So, like food, hugs, somebody to put me to bed at night, all those things. 
And then she'd make a list of all the family who was going to be at the event. And then she would say, okay, Kathleen, draw lines from what you need and who can give it to you. So, like, if you want a really big hug, you go to your aunt, right? So, now that's about family, but you can do that with this accountability fitness buddy entourage group. You can say, okay, I have these 10 people in my life who are going to be great fitness buddies. Okay, well, those three people love fitness. I should go with them, right? But my mom, she might be better at helping me come up with, like, nutritious ideas for food. So, I have a lot of mother-daughter teams who meet and they're nutrition buddies. So, on the weekend, they'll meet and they spend a couple hours cooking a bunch of food. And then they sort of divide it up so everybody gets half of everything so you don't get bored. And then throughout the week, you have this yummy food in the freezer and the fridge. And you've also spent time with your loved one. So that's a great option if you don't want to work out with somebody, but you know the person wants to support your endeavor for health. Right. Everybody has friends and family that are willing to support, but they can't be your crutch either, right? Oh, my God. Yes. They they can't be the excuse why you didn't go to the gym. Well, so-and-so said they were going to go with me, but they're busy now. So you know what? I'll just wait till next week. That can't be. You know what, Jamie, I absolutely love our sessions because you're like in my brain. So I wrote an article about this a couple years ago, and I literally finished the article with, you have to use this if it works, and then when it doesn't, ultimately you're responsible for your own health. So if the person says like, oh, I can't make it to the gym, that's not an excuse for you not to go, right? You still go. You are you, and you are responsible for, for your healthy choices and ultimately your unhealthy ones if you make those as well. But, you know, you can't use them as a crutch. So well, thank you for bringing that yeah, up. And you have to know who you're picking and choosing from because if you pick somebody who isn't the type of person to follow through. Right, of or, course. Or, you're setting yourself up for right? failure. And, you yeah, know, exactly. You know, sometimes we cherry pick who we go to with our problems because mm-hmm. we want to hear a certain thing. Oh, right? my God. Yes, so, for sure. You're mad at your boyfriend. So you go to the girlfriend that you know that doesn't really like that your boyfriend right, that much. Exactly. And then they're like, so like yeah, if, you're really, sure. if you're really not intent on having a real workout person, maybe you're just going to your best friend who you know is going to crap out. I remember when I was in law school, I wanted to join a gym and my friend said he would join too. And we would work out together in between classes. We were in law school and I knew that he was never going to follow through. It didn't matter because I was going to go do it myself. Anyway, yeah. And he went and he bought the membership and he was there for a week and that was it. I never saw him for yeah. the rest of the semester. Well, there's so many people like that with health. So, for sure. so like that's my takeaway point. I've illustrated it two different ways. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like it. No, but I think it's key. And I think, you know, if I look at somebody like my mom, she has aspirational values of being sort of fit and she likes to walk the dog and she likes to garden and she likes to do yoga, but she's the type of person who puts everybody before herself. So I know that when she's been the most successful in her health and wellness journey, it's when she's connected her health to either me or like a friend. So right now, for example, she's being very active because one of her girlfriends asked her to go to the gym with her and so she comes and picks her up and they go for 6 a.m. classes. Now, my mom is not a morning person and she would not traditionally get up that early, but because it's for her friend, her friend basically was like, you know, I really need this, like help me out. And over the years when I was unfit in my teens, my mom came to the gym with me, but it wasn't for her, it was for me. So that's the other thing. You have to not only know the people you're asking to help you out, but you also have to know yourself. And I know for me, like I don't really need somebody to get to the gym, but it's a way, like I go with my girlfriends because it's a way for me to have some social fun and I tend to work a little bit too much and I need to make sure that I have that balance. So it is that combination of knowing me, knowing the people in my life, knowing who's going to be helpful. Right. Uh, but it isn't just people who are in your life. I mean, you can get professional buddies too. Right? Absolutely. Like, yes. like, like, fitness like tra- a personal trainer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Let's or, do a plug for my 
my, my career, right. for sure. Yeah, and that's a method of keeping you accountable. And ultimately, that's part of having any fitness buddy, if it's a friend or a professional, is that if you're busy, you have family, you have friends, you have work, that life, that work is ultimately going to expand or contract into the time that you give it. So if you've scheduled in a workout, then that workout is an appointment. But if you haven't scheduled in a workout and you're like, oh, I'll just do it whenever, life will just expand you know, into the day and then you'll be like, oh, I didn't have time. Right? I was too busy, right? But busy, it's a priority. You have to figure out what your priority is. So I, yeah, you can definitely get a trainer. You could also get a trainer and share that hour with a friend. Like I have husband and wife couples who come together, mother and daughter couples who come together, and then they enjoy sort of time... So Social time, but then they also get a workout. So you can sort of make it what works for you. But I want to also just take one moment because I know we're almost done and point out that some people don't like to work out with other people. Right. So for that, I say that more of an accountability buddy can be useful. So you have your nutrition buddy, you've got like your workout buddy and the accountability buddy would be for the person who's like, no, you know what? My workout is my alone time. I want to be able to go for a run, not talk to anybody. You know, I have, you know, three kids and a husband and a job. I don't need to talk to anybody while I'm going for a run. Great. Do you be you. But maybe you decide you have a friend or even a trainer that you email back and forth with or you talk, like as in a trainer, not one in person, but like you have like a coach that you email back and forth with. I have a lot of people who... Um, especially actually new moms who don't really have time to come see me regularly. We do Skype sessions where we give them a program and then they email me every day. They say, okay, you know, I did this really well. I didn't do this. I want to do this better, you know? So you can use your trainer or your coach as an accountability buddy, but you could also use a friend. So every Sunday you email the person or you talk on the phone and you say like, this is my meal plans for the week. This is my workouts plans for the week. And you kind of go back and forth. It's a fun quote unquote excuse for a social interaction, but they also help keep you accountable and they help keep things a little bit different and a little bit fun. Because if you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with my chicken this week. Like somebody can be like, oh, well, I've been using this lemon pepper sauce. And then you'd be like, oh, that's interesting, you know. So you can share recipes and you can share ideas. Because I do think that variety is the spice of life when it comes to working out. Like it's so easy to get bored. And then you're like, why would I want to do that? So. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Unfortunately, that's all the time we no! have. So, yeah, it's true. But we're going to hear back from you next month, right? Okay, I'm going to come. Yes. Okay, we've got to take a short break. But when we return, we'll learn all about mindful cooking on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. In addition to being a lawyer and a mother of three, my next guest is also the immensely popular cookbook reviewer for Tonic Magazine, my wife, Naomi. Hi, sweetheart. Hi. 
So last month we talked about the emotional connections that people have with their food and why that's a good thing or maybe not such a good thing, but how food manifests as love. This month, we're going to talk about the process of cooking and how that relates to mindfulness and calm and being present and all those mindfulness things that we talk about in other segments, okay? Yes, excited to talk about it. Okay, so all of this came about because of something that you had read, which actually isn't a cookbook at all, that you thought actually sort of connected to cooking. So why don't we start there? What, what did you read and, and how does it connect? So a few years ago, I read a book called The Happiness Project, and I don't tend to read self-help books like this. I just, I don't know why it caught my eye. It was a woman who lives in New York. She's actually a lawyer, uh, but who stopped working as a lawyer. And I think that the way her mind works is maybe the way my mind works, and that's why it connected with me. But she set out to do this happiness project Th- this to figure is, out... This is Gretchen Rubin, yes, right? Yes, Gretchen Rubin. Thank you. Uh, she started out to figure out how she could be happier. She wasn't unhappy, but she wanted to make herself happier. And so I won't get into all of the details of the book, but one of the things that stuck with me was she said, you know, people think of happiness as being only if you're going on vacation or it's your birthday, those sort of things that happen that, oh, I'm really happy now. But really, you should appreciate the things that you're doing more often, because if you do them and you continue to do them, maybe you're actually happy doing them, even though they're not fun, like being on vacation. So if you find yourself planning dinner parties all the time and then cursing because it's a lot of work when you're actually cooking, take a step back and think, well, maybe this is actually making me happy. I like doing it. In fact, you know, I like the planning and I like thinking about it and I like inviting people and having everybody around my table. So maybe this is making me happy and I just need to shift my perspective. Or maybe you're missing the point. Maybe it's actually the complaining that's making you happy. (laughs) Maybe. Because I'm a world-class complainer, right? So if I do things that that cause me to complain, it may be that I'm doing them so that I have fantastic complainy stories to tell. Sorry, carry on. (laughs) No, really. That was my point about the happiness project is to segue back to cooking is think about if you're cooking a lot or you feel you should be cooking a lot, think about how to do it in a way that makes you happy or appreciate that you might already be happy. You just need to shift your perspective. True. You know, candidly, you know, I think of cooking as one of those things that I have to do, but truthfully it isn't, right? But there's plenty of people Mm -hmm. out there who, who actually don't cook much at all, or if they do, it's, you know, they're rewarming something. They buy a lot of prepared foods. For them, cooking actually doesn't bring them enjoyment and they don't see the utility in it. And I'm not passing judgment. That's how they, that's their relationship with food. But when you were talking about this, I started thinking about how the process of cooking actually is important to me. I actually really enjoy cooking. I don't like cleaning up. I prefer if that part was left to somebody else, but the actual act of cooking, I really do enjoy. And you do too. I do. So why is it or how is it that we enjoy cooking? Like I think if we can articulate it, maybe other people might feel the same way about cooking or something else that they're doing. So there's a couple different ways and they seem opposite, but I think they're just different ways of getting at the same goal, which is to be happy while you're engaging in this process. So one is to actually zone out. It's, it's the opposite of mindfulness. It's to clear your mind right. or to allow your mind to think about other things while you're cooking. In the same way that when you exercise, it clears your mind and you can start 
solving problems without paying attention to your exercise. Sometimes it's helpful when you're cooking, you can stop thinking about the cooking and start thinking about other things or just relaxing and just um, thinking about letting your mind zone out, like kneading bread or stirring or chopping or making a recipe that you've made many times before. You don't even really need to think about it. So you can let your mind figure out some other solutions or some other things that you want to work on. Yeah, you know, there's that. And then in a perverse way, for me, sometimes if I'm making like a dinner that, you know, then we don't always cook elaborately. But for example, if I'm making Friday night dinner and there's like three or four things that need to be made, sort of I enjoy in a perverse way the planning process of like, what am I going to do next? Like what needs to be done from a timeline perspective, which is much of what my regular job is consumed with. But it translates over to cooking in a way that, you know, obviously the context is different, but it's similar, right? And it allows me to sort of do what I do in a different way. Does that make sense? It does. And it's more similar to mindfulness in the more traditional sense, which is to pay attention to right. what Right. Let's you're talk doing. about that. So being mindful means being in the moment and, and focusing and thinking about what you're doing. And cooking lends itself to that, doesn't it? It does in different ways. It can be the process of cooking. It can be the ingredients that you're using. And it can be the food that you're eating. It can be paying attention to what makes you feel healthy, what gives you energy, what kind of food you want to put in your body. You know, is it important that it be organic or thinking about where the food comes from? So ethically sourced animals, let's say. All of that is mindful when you're thinking about what do I want to make? What do I want to buy? What do I want to cook? All that, those are all thinking. And if you do pay attention to those things, you will be happier with the result than mindlessly, say, going to a fast food restaurant because it's easy. You put some thought into it, you'll get the results. I think also putting thought into the process of making the food translates into putting thought into the actual consuming of the food. I think if you're just rewarming food that you've purchased, you're probably going to scarf it down quickly, right? You're not thinking about what you're eating. You're just like, it's there, you're eating it. But if you've taken the time to cook it and then you take the time to appreciate it, perhaps with a glass of wine or discussion with friends and family, it becomes a different experience. So I think it translates both ways. It does. If you think of the Simpsons where, they, where they're where <laughs> eating and they just scarf down the food yeah. in two seconds, sometimes it feels that way. And I think if you're in a space where you've got little kids screaming and people hungry, you're rushing out the door to exercise, it's very difficult to get there. Know that you will get there. I mean, don't try to make everything elaborate every right. day. Right. You know, don't, don't put extra stress on yourself in order to try to be mindful. But when you do have a bit of time, if you do have a bit of planning, you can make it easier for yourself to make it a more enjoyable process and something, particularly when you are doing it all the time or you feel you have to do it. Right. I mean, there's an artistry to meal planning, right? Like if you enjoy cooking, it's not just, I enjoy making spaghetti. It's thinking, oh, I'm making spaghetti. What goes with it? What kind of salad would go with this particular dish. I mean, and, and and then in that way, you're you're creating, I wouldn't say it's a work of art, but it's certainly a creative endeavor. And I think on, you know, because we watch Food Network, and if, so when you watch these cooking shows, they'll tell you, taste it at different points. You know, use the good salt. Make sure you season it. You know, paying attention to each of the steps will build, that's the building blocks to a better product. And, pay, you know, paying attention, being mindful, so that you 
end up doing it so well, you don't even need to be mindful anymore. But learning those processes will really help too. I agree. And when we talk about cooking, we can talk about cooking for yourself. And by that, I I mean it both literally and sort of figuratively, right? So like cooking for yourself, meaning you're going to make something that you're going to enjoy eating, but also cooking for one's self, right? And there are cookbooks that focus on this. There are. And I think that's a really good thing because sometimes you eat with a family, sometimes you don't, or a partner, sometimes you don't. It may be because you're single or it may be because of your lifestyle or, you know, schedules that you end up just needing to eat by yourself and that's fine. So how do you deal with that? Do you just pick something up at the grocery store or pick up fast food or do you, you know, with a little bit of planning, you can actually make a proper meal for yourself, which will make you feel better because you'll be eating better food. You can relax yourself with the cooking and you'll feel better eating healthy ingredients. And it's interesting you say that because like recently Wednesday nights you're teaching and our kids are out of the house. So I'm on my own and I've been starting to sort of think about what am I going to make if it's only for me? Because, you know, my food tastes aren't necessarily exactly like yours and there's things you don't like to eat. And it's an opportunity for me to sort of make what I want to eat for myself. But there are cookbooks that sort of focus on cooking for one, right? Mm-hmm. There's a recent one that came out by a chef called Anita Lowe, and it's called Solo, which is a play on her name. And she claims that the recipes can be made 30 minutes or less. I've I've heard that that's not necessarily the case, right? but I think it's an interesting book. I've looked at it. I haven't cooked anything from it. She has really good tips like buy your meat at the butcher because then you can just buy one as opposed to in the supermarket where you have to buy a package. You know, she tells you what to do with leftovers. You know, if you've got leftover greens, make them into pesto, that kind of thing. There's also a classic book called The Pleasures of Cooking for One by a woman named Judith Jones from 2009. That's a great book too. Simple but healthy recipes where the the proportions really are for one. So there's meat, there's, you know, baked polenta with vegetables, there's pasta, there's soups, and everything is in smaller portions. So definitely worth checking out. Fantastic. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today, but you'll come back next month? Of course I will. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. At Caregiver Services Limited, we specialize in 12 to 24-hour private care for seniors in private homes, hospitals, or facilities. We provide the highest level of customized service for families looking for a caregiver or personal support worker. To ensure the highest quality of care and support, we limit the number of clients we service. Whether you're looking for general live-in care or have more significant needs related to mobility issues, dementia, or palliative care, finding someone who's a great fit is most important. At Caregiver Services Limited, our highly experienced staff specialize in meeting the unique needs of 12 to 24-hour care. For more information, please visit caregiverservices.ca. Let our family help care for yours. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Vito Marinucci was born and raised in Toronto's East End and came up in the restaurant industry the old-fashioned way through nepotism. 
His cousin, restaurateur Gio Rana, hired him as a 15-year-old dishwasher and busser and later gave him a shot as a waiter. Vito's job was as much to fight the prevailing whitewashed version of Italian food in Toronto as it was to get people to try the good stuff, and he did. Now, as co-owner with his famous mom of two locations of seven numbers on the Danforth and Eglinton West, Vito knows the food his kitchens prepare not only preserve that culinary heritage, but innovate within it. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing well. Today, we're going to vent, my friend. Well, I will. You're too genial and even-tempered to rage with me. I'm, I'm, I'm goading <laughs> you here. I may jump in today. Okay. okay. But I'd like to hear your perspective as a restaurateur and, and as a patron on some of the things that you see in restaurants. And I'm going to tell you some of the things I see when I go out. Okay? We yeah, let's do it. All right. So you're the guest. You go first. You pick a topic. Huh. All right. Let's start with some of the standard things that we see when we go out. Sorry, that I see inside the restaurant. When not. When yeah, not. yeah. The big one is staying quiet. A lot of customers will, you know, we go out of our way to quality check a table, let's say. And they'll have dinner, and they won't say anything. Then they'll leave, and they'll write a, like a bloody dissertation on the asparagus. Right. And you're like, we're not, we're not perfect. We're far from it. But, you know, we're trying to make sure that every customer has an experience. And that's why we're asking. I can fix it in the moment. I want to hear it. But they don't. It's this uh, online shaming that's cowardly happening. One thing about the interweb is the feeling of invincibility that of anonymity, right? So right. like you would, you say things you would never say to a person to their face. What you raise, I'm sure happens. It's odd for me because if right. I'm not getting good service or if I think the food is off. I've been out with you. You're, you're vocal about it. I, I will make right. it. I'll, which I'll is make fine. it, which is good. I mean, you have to be polite. A constructive criticism, be polite, of course. Exactly. But we can fix it in the moment. I mean, you know, that's exactly. what we're here for. Yeah, and and when somebody comes and says, you know, it, you can tell if they mean it. If they're coming out and they, you know, if it's the standard, how is everything tasting? Which is like, there must be a script that every waiter well, has to say. How's there's only tasting? so many ways you can say that sentence. Right, no, I understand. And I understand why it's worded yeah. that way. Sometimes it seems disingenuous, but you can tell what it's real. You can tell if you have a good yeah. server who really does care about your experience. Right. And I agree with you. In the moment is the time to take issue or to ask a question or to see, make yourself known and, and satisfied. Because you're there. You're the patron. 100%. Okay. So here's here's my first one. And I think it's a function of where food costs have gone and margins for restaurants. But lately, you know, when we try and get a reservation, they'll say, okay, we'll give you the table, but you have to be out in two hours. Which is fine because yep. if it's just two people, most meals take anywhere with us between an hour and a quarter and an hour and a half. And I don't feel like I'm rushed. But, no, exactly. But we get in there and all of a sudden... The menus are thrown at us. The drinks are brought within two minutes. Well, now and now you're being rushed. Right, exactly. And I know that I have to give up the table. And sometimes I'll have a conversation when I'm making the reservation. Look, we know you're, you're fitting us in. We really appreciate it. We promise we'll be out in an hour and a half. Don't rush us. Don't rush us. Yep, don't, you're, right. don't, you're 100% right. You have a full two hours. Use the whole two hours. Yeah, whatever it is you're giving us. We know. We're, right. we're, we're not going to make a fuss. We're not going to linger. We want. We have things to do, too. Anyways. It's, it really stinks that that's where we've gotten to and that it, I can say that to you as a customer and you can agree to it. That whole process is awful. It is. Like you said, I mean, you have a, a small restaurant that's doing high volume and their prices are the way they are and they've got to flip tables and any empty tables cost money. Exactly. It is what it is. Okay, you're up. What do you have? I'm going to go with a big one, which is a trend I'm seeing in the industry, both owner and customer, but there's like a real sense of entitlement in our industry right now. And then you see it in a lot of the newer, really popular restaurants where there's, they're really making their lives easier. And I say that because, like, you know, we're in the service industry and I think we've yeah. forgotten that. So give me an example of what you're talking about. 
I mean, there's a million of them. We don't answer the phone during service. Yeah. Well, that's tough because I'm calling to say I'm going to be late or I'm going to be early or I'm going to, whatever I'm calling for. Yeah. Uh, and you'll get there and you'll ask, and say, oh yeah, we don't answer the service. You know, we can't seat you until your whole party's here. Yeah, that's I've reserved, the whole party's coming. Right. I was here first. I, I like to have a drink. Like, well, <laughs> I'm being punished for being first. Like the late guy, maybe we'll punish him internally, but exactly. not the first guy. And then there's this online shaming that happens that you see restaurants like publicly on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, saying, oh, you know, the bussons were 10 minutes late. Watch out for that. Right? That happens? At, absolutely. Absolutely happens. I've seen it. Really? Yeah, yeah. And there's some people that really go out of their way. Like, they make a point, especially the no-shows. Anybody who doesn't show up, they've gone Well, if, if Which you is fine. To be fair, yeah. you know, like, I understand it's business for the restaurant. If I'm not showing, I'm, I'm going to call ahead and say, look, you know, somebody's sick or, you know, things yeah, have course. changed. You know, that, no, that's just awful. I agree. But there's definitely, like, a, a shaming that's happening. And then there's the uh, owners have become, like, super stringent, I guess, on their staff where they've removed the personality and you've got waiters serving that genuinely seem scared, like almost like an uptightness. Really? The last couple of outings we've had, we've seen it. And you're like, I, you're watching robots in a room. And I assume like no one's actually like that. So they're getting a directive from somewhere to be like that. Well, I don't want them to sit down at my table and share nope. my French fries. But I, you know, I'm relying on my server, their knowledge of the shop. Yeah, a and good server knows where to draw the line and knows how comfortable to be. And I mean, sure, there's going to be amateurs out there and, and people that are too comfortable. Right. But I guess just to remove all of that, they've just scared them to become robots. Is it an issue with back house, front house, where the the chef is getting upset because the servers are coming back and saying, you know, they didn't like their food? Yeah, I think for a long time, I I used to call it the wall when I was a server. There was a wall that was up, uh, an invisible wall between the kitchen and the servers. Right. And it was like you didn't cross that wall. And now I think we've broken down that wall. In my own restaurants, that wall doesn't exist. Like a waiter can go in the kitchen and say, you know, whatever they want to say. The customer didn't like the eggplant or this was cold. And there's a comfort level. Oh, no problem. We'll reheat it for you. There's a, you know. So I think that wall is now back up. I'm going to go with one, one or two. These are sort of connected. And that is the disconnect between the menu and the food. You know, and included in that is pricing as well. So, you know, everything's gotten more expensive. So you have a pricey item that is described in great detail to the (laughs) point, you know, like if it's beef, we get to know the name of the cow and which county it was raised in and the pedigree and you're paying through the nose for it. And it comes with, you know, three different sauces and 18 different vegetables and it all sounds delicious. And then it arrives and it's a tiny portion and it's really not even that special. And I don't understand why. Why going to the trouble of trumpeting it on the menu if that's what you're going to serve? And I, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. I mean, they've just over-described a dish for no reason. Right. Which is pretty commonplace these days. The small portion, I mean, they're just... People that have, piece of beef costs so much money. I understand. And people are eating differently too, right? I mean... 100%. You know, people... Yeah, like, you know, we it's discuss okay it. to serve a four or five ounce piece today versus right. five years ago it had to be 12 or 16 ounces. Right. And, and certain restaurants have different experiences. Like certain restaurants you're meant to share everything, right? Like not yes. everybody's ordering their own steak. Like steakhouses, you order your own steak, you order, you know, maybe you share the sides. With a lot of modern restaurants, you know, maybe people are sharing the proteins and they're sharing the veg on the side and it's a different experience, but that should be explained, right? Yeah, I mean, the way that's the waiter's job. Right. The, serve, the server's job is to tell you how the restaurant's going to work. But yeah, we eat differently. I mean, we talk about it all the time. 10 years ago, I mean, you know, there's a steakhouse in our, in our top five that we go to with the family often and we used to order four steaks. Right. I don't think anybody does that anymore. We, we, I mean, we talk about it all the time. We go to the same restaurant now, and we order six sides and one medium-sized steak, not a small one, and sliced. Right. And we share it. Right. That's just where we've gone. 
Okay. What's next on your list? Customers that we have that come to the restaurant often, and I'd love to tell them these are servers, not servants. Oh, yeah. No. And it's tough. And it'll be, and it's always someone that you know, like, you know, the bussins are in. I'll say, hi, hey, how you doing? Great. We'll chat, walk away, and I'll say, oh, man, that guy's great. He eats here every Friday night. And they'll be like, that guy's a jerk. He treats us like garbage. He yells at us. He stiffs us, leaves us 10%. And you're thinking, oh, my God, really? And then I'm around, and they'll tell me, well, you're around. The guy's lovely. Or the family's amazing. Wow. And then you'll leave and they just treat us like servants. Yeah, I get it. You can witness it as a customer. You can you can sort of see what's going on maybe at the table beside you when somebody's having a little bit of a snit. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's not pretty. And, I, and I, it's not an excuse, but I think we're so used to reporting to robots. Like, like I think well, everybody has complaints. And in this online society we live in now, we're not reaching people who can make us happy, right? So we don't know how to interact with them anymore. We don't know how to effectively make our concerns known. And it just becomes an exercise in frustration. So it's getting to the point so where... So maybe my complaint about a robotic server is the way to go. Yeah. Take, take the personality out of everything. I mean, why not just leave... Oh, I meant, I meant literally robots where you're calling and you can't yeah, get a live yeah, person. Leave, leave an iPad on the table and say, punch in your order. I think by the time we get to a real person, we're so frustrated well, that, that we're acting up. But I don't think that really excuses no, bad behavior I, I, in a restaurant. I had to say to someone this year, like, would you ever speak to another human that way? Not right. a service. Like, why would you ever do... Because your veal was late? Like, why are you speaking to anybody that way? And let me tell you something. It's not effective either, right? Oh, like, no like, one's getting anywhere. No, you, you Server know, hates you, owner hates you, customer hates you. It's all bad. You know, I don't think anybody would do something to the food, but I like you. No, you, we're, you, we're beyond you, that as an industry. Like, that's, <laughs> nev- that's never happening. No, I mean, I don't think so. No, but I, I wonder, like, the net result is people don't think uh, there was, a, when I was in practicing law, there was a course of negotiation that I took, and the book was called Getting to Yes. And basically, the premise is, Yeah. If you're only going to see that person once, you can have a transaction where you lose your temper. Like maybe they're really acting out and really you need to express yourself Mm -hmm. assertively, we'll call it. (laughs) But most times there's a relationship. You may see that person again. You may go back to that restaurant. You want to see that person again. You don't want to be the person who's known as being the jerk who can't make his point without raising his voice. There has to be a way to be an effective, I wouldn't call it complainer, but you have to be an effective customer in the same way that you have to be an effective business owner in problem solving. Otherwise, all we're doing is You should be able to convey constructive criticism without offending. I agree. I've got a couple more. They're like in diminishing importance, like little things that bug me. Like, you know, like when we we talk about these sharing restaurants, if you're going to have a restaurant where everybody's sort of family style eating and sharing dishes, you got to bring them out in a way that makes sense so that you can enjoy the experience of collective eating as opposed to like dribs and drabs or like one dish comes out and then 20 minutes later, five come out. But then there's one that comes out last, last. last. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've already finished everything else. And it's like, That's oh, funny. It happens more frequently like no it happens all the time yep that's got to be like uh, someone coming up with a concept and then the kitchen not being able to execute it right in a high volume restaurant but if that's your concept then that's your job to get it right right like okay we have time for one more you have one last peeve you have it's a small one but it's uh, it's becoming common with outside food and it's really not outside food it's outside drink you'll get a group of people coming in and they've got coffee cups or one person will have a a coffee cup Really? And they'll come in and they'll sit down and, you know, we have to have that awkward conversation. And it's, most times now it's not awkward. So we bring over a coffee cup, like a, one of our coffee cups. So do you mind if we pour your drink? Oh, that's into a good solution. Cup? Right. Yeah, yeah. 
other restaurants probably go over and say, you can't sit down until we dump that cup. But they're <laughs> sitting there with a logoed Yeah, cup. that's not cool. No, it's uh, that one happens more often, maybe because one of our restaurants, oh, Dan, the Danforth is the Danforth, and people get off the subway and they walk, and they might grab a coffee half an hour before dinner. And so I, I see why it happens, but it's a pet peeve of mine. Like, really, you couldn't just you know dump it and chug it and dump it into the garbage yeah, outside the door? You're, you're here now. Enjoy, yeah, our, yeah, yeah. enjoy our stuff. It's awkward. Only because it's awkward because a waiter has to go over and say, uh, do you mind? Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I think we could put in another half hour. Yeah, maybe we'll come back. We'll do part two. Thank you for coming and We'll see you again next month. Yes? Absolutely, 100%. Fantastic. And thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and thetonic.ca. For notes on today's show or for links to our guests, visit thetonic.ca. For articles written by Naomi Bussin, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we discuss mindfulness and self-confidence and zinc and men's health. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.